I'm challenging um, producers of equipment to really be mindful of producers' time. And I'm challenging the research um, side to help producers understand how to use this technology, how to apply it, and then do an economic analysis so producers don't invest heavily in stuff that may not be ready or may not pay off for them. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutritional program innovation. Start your journey with us at Eastman.com. Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. Genesis, the first power in genetics. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Healthy Farms by Bioverse. We have a time and labor-saving product for you. AgriSlats by Healthy Farms is your solution. No more lugging jugs around the barn every month. With AgriSlats, you simply drop the slat through the floor twice a year, and it works to break down solids, reduces crusting and forming. To learn more, visit MyHealthyFarms.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Tammy Brown-Bendel, who is with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Good morning. How are you, Tammy? I'm doing really well. We're glad to have you on today, Tammy. Um, But before we get started, I think it'd be nice if you could give a little bit more of an introduction about yourself to the audience. Yeah, so... I'm Tammy Brown Brandle. I am a professor and splinter chair at the University of Nebraska in the Biological Systems Engineering Department. Um, I've had a, a career that has spanned 25 years or so. 20 years has been at the was at the Meat Animal Research Center, looking at swine and cattle heat production, and then moving into precision animal management. Um, about four and a half years ago, I was um, recruited to the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, where I have an um, endowed chair in looking at specifically precision animal management. Mostly my work is in swine, although I do have some poultry work and some beef cattle work. Very good. Well, thank you for that introduction. One of the things that I think is really interesting, um, certainly recently just went to World Pork Expo, and and as I walk through the building, we see a lot of technology at hand. Talking about technology isn't anything new. We've been talking about it for years. Uh, But as we continue to address the labor issues and the need for additional things to help train people who don't maybe have the, the historical experience working with animals or with swine in particular, technology really does have a place and a fit into our industry today. And so uh, with your experience, I'd really like to just start talking a little bit about different phases of production and you know, how we can start to incorporate that technology into those those phases based on what you have seen and, and conducted uh, to kind of help our producers figure out what might be good fits for them. In swine, well, in all livestock species, we really have to focus on 
the needs of the producers and where and the needs of the animal at each different stage. And each different stage has, of course, different needs, right? So if we look at at gestation, let's start there, and then we'll kind of move our, ourselves through the different phases of production. As we move from gestation crates into group housing, we are losing a lot of the manual precision animal management that producers can do. They know where that animal is located by by location. They know when she was bred. They can walk by and know if she has eaten. They can walk by and, and notice that she hasn't eaten for the last three days. She might be losing a little bit of condition. Um, they can check to make sure she is still pregnant. As we, as we move from those stalls into group housing, we are losing some of those those tools or taking away some of those those things that producers can do because now we put them in a in a group of 20 to a group of 250 and that becomes very difficult to know if she's eaten if she's losing weight if she is still pregnant um, because you're taking away all the tools that a producer can has been using right and we need to fill in some of those gaps with technology. Some of those technologies are available, like electronic sow feeding systems, right? We can feed that sow a certain amount of feed based on her RFID tag. And um, we can tell if she's pregnant if they have a boar station. However, not all ESF systems have those. And some of the, the group housing systems don't have a way to record feeding feed intake right or control feed intake the things that are lacking in those in those systems even today even with the most advanced ESF system is we we might be able to weigh a pig but we have no win and that weight we can see if she's gaining weight or she's losing weight the problem is we don't know how many piglets she's pregnant with we don't know how much weight she should be gaining. So maybe a better way to do that is do condition score. However, there's no commercially available condition score system out there. Um, there are several people working on that using, using cameras um, and then being able to look at that, that fat condition in the back. It might not be as simple as one would think it would be with, from a camera, but um, I know several several different groups are working on on that. With condition score, then we can then start adjusting how much feed that she needs to consume. So if we see that she's losing condition, we can then adjust that ESF system or automated automate that adjustment so she can get a little bit more feed. Or if we see that she's gaining too much weight, we could then or too much condition, then we can start reducing that feed there. But those systems just don't exist today. So those are some of the things that we're working on. Another thing that that I think is really important to work on is is illness detection and that goes across all all different production phases. Right? Today the only way we know if an animal is sick is by the experience and the the eyes and the ears of a of the animal caretaker and as you know our animal caretakers um, today 
don't have the experience or or the longevity that our animal caretakers had, say, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, 20 or 30 years ago, maybe even 40 years ago, those those were people that grew up on a farm. They knew what to look for. They've had years and years of experience. Um, today, we don't find animal caretakers with that much experience. And so being able to select a pig that needs treatment is... Um, isn't something that can be taught in a 30-minute video. Welcome to my swine farm, right? It, it takes, it does take time to learn how to do that. Um, so when we start moving into farrowing, I think we're going to see some big changes with farrowing crates. And I, I don't think we are prepared as researchers or especially as industry to go from just a, or from farrowing stalls into loose farrowing. I know Minnesota is doing quite a bit of work, um, but that is a, that's a tough topic. Um, farrowing crates are, are necessary right now. And so it might be um, multi, multi-phase um, problem that we need to handle from selecting of and of animals that can handle those loose housing situations to um, designing or or selecting different loose housing systems for for sows. Um, I do think it's coming. Hopefully it's not coming so soon because we need to do a little bit more work to help producers select those systems. Um, then when we, these are just brief overviews. And then um, when we go to finishing, and I have a lot of projects right now in finishing, um, once again, we rely on our, our animal caretakers to select animals that are sick based on their, their eyes. And if they have a pen of, say, 12 to 15 animals, um, it's really easy to make sure you've looked at every animal. When we have a pen of 200 animals, it's very hard to know that you've looked at all 200 animals, right? And you know that, um, you know that the animals that are sick will hide and not present those, those behaviors or those symptoms when a person first walks in the barn. And that makes it really difficult and challenging even for the most experienced animal caretaker, right? Um, so the other thing that, that we rely solely on our, our animal caretakers to do is to select different cuts of, of animals that need to go to slaughter. And very rarely is there a scale in the barn to do that with. So right now there are some technologies out there that can um, grab a weight of a pig. There's a couple different ones. There's ones that, that have walk-through scales, and so you can tell if a, the size or weight of a pig as they walk through. Um, those systems are costly, and they aren't um, used a lot in commercial settings. So the other ones are camera-based weights, and they 
without an identification, you get an average weight of the animals coming to a drinker station. You don't know who's coming to the drinker station. So um, I think we have some work to do there, especially as we have um, producers and animal caretakers that don't have 30 years of experience to, to rely on. Um, we are working on, on different systems that use RFID to identify the animal and then capture a, a picture and then determine weight from an image. Um, the problem is that a lot of producers don't have RFID systems or RFID tags in a pig because they cost about $2 a piece. So I don't think we have perfect solutions today. We are working on, on better solutions, but um, I think technology is one of those, those areas of research that we really need a continuous collaboration with producers and researchers and industry and the technology industry so we can test out different things research-wise, give that over to companies to fully develop systems, and then producers can implement them. But we need, it's a circular thing because we can research a lot of stuff, but if we don't have, if we don't have a back and forth with industry, we might select a system that producers go, I can't use this. So it needs to be a continuous um, improvement and a continuous collaboration amongst all three groups. Cool. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I think that's something that, that we've seen even in some of the testing that, that we've done over the years as well as there's always things that we find once we get it into the barn, whether it's even just how the pig interacts with the equipment um, or how the equipment behaves in that type of an environment particularly, you know, not just within a day, but over months or even a year. Um, all of that information is important for our, for producers to share back to help people develop better technology as we go through time. Um, so I have a handful of questions. You covered a lot of, of topics there, and I'm, I'm going to jump back a little bit and work through them. Um, one of the questions I have is really around gestation. Um, you, you alluded to, of course, using ESFs and other types of systems when we think about group housing and and certainly Prop 12 is on a lot of people's mind in the United States and, and having the ability to do that. Um, one of the things I used to hear a lot um, in production, and it's kind of maybe a silly thing, but yet one that really intrigues me, and we've seen systems over the years, but it's really around heat detection and opportunities to identify when animals are in heat. And we've We've seen very simple ones of, you know, bore on one side of a panel and the frequency in which the sow comes up to the bore gets marked and then that's in heat. But is there anything coming up on, on that side of the technology with gestation and heat detection that we should be thinking about? You know, I don't know of anything in that area. Well, well, um, the bore stations are, are one one way you can do that. However, a lot of ESF systems don't have bore stations. And that's one more, that's another animal that you have to maintain. And that's an animal that is um, by itself. And so maybe we have some animal well-being concerns with pigs being very social. So I see some reasons that we need to consider different options. Um, and 
but that's not an area that I've really worked in. And I don't know of anybody that is working in that. So maybe that's one thing that we should we should bring up and, and do some conversations with producers and with with researchers and see if we can come up with some good ideas on how to how to do that. I'm curious on your body condition detection. So you were talking a little bit about that and utilizing cameras to detect body condition. Um, is that something that you see that that each production system or farmer can can set their image of what ideal body condition will be? Or do you think that's going to be kind of a fixed image across the system and say, or, you know, that technology piece and say, this is where the industry is going to have to be to make the cameras work? Um, that's one of those conversations that we need to have. And I think we need to include genetic companies in that conversation, right? Because I think um, different sows and different genetic lines have a more ideal condition score or a different ideal condition score than other genetic lines. If you have a really short, stocky sow, she might she might appear to be um, fat or in, in higher condition than a long, sort of skinny sow. So I think those are one things, those are some of the things that I think we need to work on. But no, I don't think we should dictate a, a certain condition or a certain ideal condition for every single um, genetic line of pig. And maybe producers like them a little, maybe they have found have a little bit more condition, have those sows might have longer like longevity or having a little less condition might give them more more piglets. So those are things that, that I think we need to continue to work on. Um, condition score is not an easy thing in, in sows. It's easier in dairy cows. They've done a lot with dairy cows. Um, and in sows, we've just started playing with that. And we've, we've got some research dollars that we're going to continue to do that work. But it is, it is not an, a particularly easy thing to do in a sow. No, no, it's, it's a very difficult uh, process to go through. And I appreciate your comments around genetics and even within farms, similar genetics across different farms, different environments are all going to have different body condition needs that is not going to be a one size fits all kind of program. So that's, that is good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. One of the other things I guess I didn't hear much conversation on when you were talking, and it really goes across all three phases, would be lameness detection. And you talked about illness, but um, are there, and we've seen like the cameras that can help you pick out guilts based on their walking gait, but are there any other technologies coming down the pipeline to help us with lameness? Um, yeah, we've we've also been working in lameness, and um, the Meet Our Research Center has been working in lameness, and I know like like PIC and um, Benny Moat are also kind of looking at at sow structure, which is an important important component to to lameness. We have to have a correctly structured animal in order to avoid that. Some of the things that we have been looking at is looking at how the 
the animal walks and being able to to pick up um, you can do it with stride length we do it with number of steps on in a short distance the right now where we are technology wise is we have to have the sow walking a distance and if you put a sow in a hallway you can you can get that sow to move at kind of a regular pace whether she is lame or whether she is a healthy sow or even even um, a finishing pig right so as long as you have a straight hallway you can walk them down there we can use technology to do that Um, when we put them out in the pen we're going to have to go away from cameras I think because um, we've even looked at trying to look at like two to four or two to two to seven um, still images and trying to look at how that sow is is walking because when they're in an ESS system or or in a pen of finishing pigs, you don't have a long straight hallway. And even some of the ESS systems that have that long straight that alleyway after they come out of the feeder, um, you know, pigs and they don't walk at a certain rate. You have pigs that will that will run through there, and then you'll have pigs that dawdle and smell the floor and and. I, you know, just be pigs. And so in order to get those lameness, we really have to, the current technology is you have to have kind of a length of hallway or a length of walking at kind of a regular pace in order to be able to pick that up. It's very difficult if you don't have that. So in order to do lameness detection, we might have to go to to a wearable. I know Eric Posota did some work and he did cameras and he looked at, he was able to track pigs around using, and that was in open pens of finishing or of, yeah, finishing pigs or, or young gilts. And they were able to detect when an animal wasn't moving as much. So we might be able to put that into a wearable and be able to look at like do an accelerometer on an on an ear tag and be able to see how much that pig is moving around and be able to pick out that Um, the nice thing with the camera technology is you can actually pinpoint um, the leg that is affected if you do an accelerometer maybe you could do front and back Um, I I don't know because I haven't tried that yet, but that might be something we could do. But there's going to be a lot of research that needs to happen in order to be able to to pick out anything more than level of activity. Yeah, I think that was one of my questions, and we hear that a lot, and at least in the U.S., is the the camera technology, and I, I know it's getting better, but ceiling height in a lot of our barns has been limiting in the past for ability to predict body weights and and so forth and so it sounds like that is getting better the idea of the wearables becomes even more appealing because if you can connect that with an RFID it it ties some of this other technology together um so I think that's actually interesting to hear how some of the technology might be changing already yeah um pigs are pigs are fun animals and difficult animals to put wearables on Mm -hmm. um 
because they are very, very curious. Unlike unlike cattle, where you could put a wearable, you know, you could put a sensor on a collar, you could put a sensor in an ear tag, and while another animal might lick on it or or um, pull on it a little bit, they're they're not going to destroy it. Um, but when you put a wearable on a pig, immediately you capture the attention of all the other animals on the pen. And if it's different or new, the first thing they want to do is is taste it and chew on it. And chewing on a wearable is is not advised. <laughs> and wearables, the other thing that has to happen is um, we we do need cheaper systems on the wearable side. We did some active RFID. A long time ago, that was about $40 a tag. That is completely unreasonable for the swine industry. Even a $2 tag is is an expensive endeavor. And also, we need to figure out if a producer is willing to put a, a hole in the pig's ear because that has been kind of the hang up with a lot of RFID tags in finishing pigs is because they don't want that hole in the ear because it decreases the value of the ear. So yeah, it's a very good point. One of the other questions I had um, in our conversation is you were talking a little bit about loose farrowing and I was curious what kinds of technology do you see coming into play with loose farrowing? I mean, I can immediately see camera technology for identifying, you know, piglets that might be sick and, and doing some of, of that besides just standard, you know, how much is mom eating kind of, kind of technology. So are there any other technologies to, that you see coming into that space? So the other thing that we have been doing is we've also been using depth camera technology in the farrowing crate and we have taken it more on the on the side of evaluating how the different farrowing crates, standard farrowing crates, are influencing sow behavior and sow posture transitions and and where piglets are staying and where we place the heat lamps. So those are kind of the technologies we've been, or the reasons that we've been using those cameras. I know there are some people out there that are looking at technologies to determine if a if a piglet's being laid on and and maybe to prevent that because we have a high pre-weaning mortality if we go to loose farrowing we're going to have even a higher pre-weaning mortality I'm afraid and um, when we were in so I was able to go to Eurotier which is a very large animal animal equipment manufacturer show and it's held every other year year in in Germany and we were able to go there and and walk around and see the different technologies coming out of different things that people are seeing or or at least companies are are trying out and one of the things that we saw that that was very intriguing to me was um, a place where the sow is standing can when she goes to stand up and they're determining that with a with a camera or a proximity sensor when she starts to stand up the the whole floor where she's standing raises up 
I don't know, about 10 inches, maybe a little less than that. So that has some some nice things because then that would hold the piglets away from her, at least try to hold the piglets away from her until she goes to lay down. And then once she lays down, the whole system then comes down. The always when you have moving parts and you put them in a in an animal environment i say if you have moving parts you have you have a maintenance and when you have maintenance you increase your labor so um we have to be careful of of those and make sure that they're really ready to be ready for prime time before we start recommending them for for producers but i would be intrigued to try those out and see and I'm not, I, and they showed them in loose housing. I'm not sure how that would work in loose housing unless you constrain the sow to, to the standard farrowing stall size, right? So somehow you have to be able to restrain her so she doesn't accidentally step off of that, that raised platform. So, but some of the interesting technologies coming up, I, I don't know. I, I think we have to do more work on those still. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes those those create new thoughts, and, th- and that's what you need, right? Is that it may not be practical where it is, but it might stimulate somebody else to think about something a little bit differently, and you find this new marriage of of technology. So, absolutely, that's awesome. It's time for our famous three. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Swine Management to the Next Level, CloudFarms.com, Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge, Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts, MS Gold, the best hygiene products in livestock farming. A worldwide leader in animal nutrition, Adiseo's portfolio of products includes methionine, the full range of vitamins, enzymes, organic selenium, probiotics, mycotoxin management strategies, and palatability products. With such a diverse offering, Adiseo supports its customers with a broad range of expertise, tools, and services to help them maintain a competitive advantage. Adiseo, fueling predictable profits. To learn more, visit Adiseo at www.adiseo.com. Well, Tammy, I do see that our time is wrapping up, and it, it's certainly been fun, and I, I know we could have talked a lot longer, especially about some of the new technology that's coming up. Um, but for our listeners today, could you provide a couple of key takeaway points that you'd like for them to be thinking about when it comes to precision technology and using that within their barns? So I, I really think we have to to show producers that there is some value in the technology before they invest a lot. The technology, um, and I'm going to challenge technology producers, that the if we put cameras in the barn, we have to make sure that, that it's not causing extra maintenance to go and clean those cameras. If we, if we put moving parts that, that they are easily maintained so the producer isn't spending all their time maintaining a, a system instead of watching animals. So I'm challenging um, producers of equipment to really be mindful of producers' time. And I'm challenging the research um, side to help producers 
understand how to use this technology, how to apply it, and then do an economic analysis so producers don't invest heavily in stuff that may not be ready or may not pay off for them. So I'm challenging more, not the producers, but the technology and researchers to ensure technology is is ready for them to go. Very good. Well, one of the things we like to ask our guest speakers um, are a few couple or a few questions. Um, the first question I'd like to ask is if people are interested in understanding more about the technology or, or precision ag in general, are there any resources that you would recommend to them? Yeah, so um, I've been attending a, a conference for probably the last 15 years, and it's um, European Conference on Precision Livestock Farming, or ECPLF. Um, Europe is ahead of us in this field. We have we just recently had our second US PLF conference in Knoxville, Tennessee. The next one will be in Lincoln in May of 2025. And we would really like more producers to come to those meetings because like I said earlier, we really have to have a continuous flow of information from researchers to equipment manufacturers to farmers. And it has to be a continuous flow back and forth. So we make sure that we answer the questions producers have and that that producers understand um, the use of and the limitations of the technology that is currently existing. Very good. Is there a book uh, that you're reading today that's not related to pigs that you would recommend to our listeners? I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, one book that I really like that um, I think that most engineers and people working with technology should read and it's called Meltdown Why Our Systems Fail and it goes into a lot of reasons um, why systems fail and how to avoid pitfalls and it goes into diversity of of developmental teams like why you want a diverse team to having a closely coupled system like we've seen in the airline industries today where it's so quite tightly coupled meaning there isn't any room for failures to happen without without a bigger problems happening so those are called tightly coupled systems so it talks about those and um, and it also talks about how how people fear change and don't want to listen to um, reasonable solutions at some points in time. So it it talks about those pitfalls as well. It's a really interesting, it's a short read book. Um, I listen to Audible all the time. So that's one of those Audible books that, that I listened to and was really, really pleased with. Very good. So Meltdown is what you said. Meltdown, Why Our Systems no. Fail. Okay, perfect. Uh, the last question I have for you uh, is kind of, well, you don't have to name anybody. Let's just put it that way. So I'm asking if you could think of somebody in your life that you define as successful, what's a trait that they possess that's allowed them to be successful? So I can I can give you several names, but I think one trait that I think is is very valuable is 
to have the freedom to imagine what could be. And I think that's very important. And the other trait is not to get stuck um, in one train of thought. I think a lot of times we think um, animal production has to be exactly this because this is what we've always done or this is what everybody is doing. I think I think especially as researchers, we cannot get stuck in that that train of thought. And we have to be willing to listen to people that we disagree with. Um, because I think it's I think it's very important to understand um, those perspectives because there might be value in those perspectives, even though it's really sometimes hard to listen to. Um, and what I'm thinking about is animal rights activists or or vegans. But we really have to take a step back and we have to listen intently on what they're saying um, to make sure to make sure that we understand um, their perspective because some of what they're saying could could actually really help us out. So I think having an open mind and imagining a future a future of animal production that um, doesn't exist today is where we need to where we need to be and it will serve us well yeah it's definitely being creative is something we all need to be thinking about and, and keeping that open mind as people talk to allow us to create in our minds is important yeah one of the things that that i like to end my talks with is how do you imagine um and it can be swine or dairy or beef production will look like in say 20 years or 50 years. And um, in order for us to control that narrative, we need to know where we're headed. Um, we can't just be okay with what's happening today. We have to be able to know where we want to be in 20 or 50 years and start moving start moving the research in that way and then we can start moving technology in that way and then we can then we can start implementing that in in production systems so i think that's important and i'd like to encourage students when i'm when i'm setting talking to students i always say so who is going to who is going to define our future and it is veterinarians engineers, animal scientists, and producers, right? And, and computer scientists, it's a, it's a very fun world to live in today because we're seeing lots and lots of technologies coming up and lots of things that we can, we can do to improve it. But we have to be the, the drivers of that, not, not legislation or animal rights or, or those kind of... So if we imagine that, we can control that narrative better. Very good. Well, Tammy, I want to thank you again for your time today. It's been a pleasure visiting with you and, and sharing and listening to your conversations around Precision Ag. For our listeners, again, this is Dr. Tammy Brown-Randall with University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Thank you again so much for your time. Thank you.